kick off uh, 2021 here, we're going to begin a series uh, that begins today and we'll kind of uh, carry through us uh, January, maybe even to February. We'll see how it's going. Uh, and this series is going to be spiritual practices for winter survival. This is going to be a mix of brief messages, of live discussions, of workshop type experiences like we'll have today uh, where we try things together. Uh, so for today's topic, uh, the, uh, we're gonna do a spiritual reading practice that I've gotten a lot out of in my life. So I'm gonna share a little bit about that. And then that has been used for centuries. It, uh, it's called Lectio Divina. You can tell it's been used for centuries because it uses Latin words, Lectio Divina. So what that means is uh, divine reading. That's what Lectio Divina means. Uh, and so what, the, what we're talking about here is reading with the intent to experience the divine, to experience God, rather than reading with the intent to learn or to study or to understand, which is great. We're all familiar with that type of reading, right? We do it all the time. Uh, but this is a slightly different goal for why you might read. And the Bible can be a huge resource for this, in particular, the Gospels that tell the story of Jesus. But you can apply the idea of reading with the intent of experiencing the divine well beyond the Bible. Uh, we, can, we do this for, with poetry, for example, right? Like we're, we're reading not just to learn or to understand or to study something. Like we're not picking it apart, although sometimes that can be really powerful and meaningful to do that with uh, a beautiful poetic piece. But really what we're doing is we're trying to experience something beyond ourselves. Oh, my, we're trying to experience God or we're trying to experience like, wow, I'm a part of a large sea of people who all have similar experiences. Uh, we might instinctively do this with lyrics in songs. Like, you know, you, you put a melody behind words and you read those words. It's like, oh yeah. Like you don't even have to be taught to read with the intent uh, to experience the divine. You just do it, right? But what I want to zoom in on is doing this with the Bible because it can be, as we look at the stories uh, that follow Jesus and his earliest followers or the stories that formed Jesus because they were part of his Jewish tradition, uh, these are really powerful because of the unique way that Jesus shows us what God is like. So the simplest way to put what we're going to try together here, Lectio Divina with the Bible, is that we're imagining ourselves as a character within a story that we read. We're sort of trying to wear their shoes and look through their eyes. That's the simplest way to imagine what we're going to do. Uh, if you're one of the people in our community who has spent time in or around highly religious settings and that was hard for you, you may have a really difficult time with the Bible right now. And if that's the case, I just want to say that is totally fine. That is a totally acceptable place to be in. It does not make you a lousy or less serious person of faith. It probably says more about the environment and the adults that you grew up around rather than yourself. Uh, so that is totally legitimate. What I want you to consider today is an invitation into the Bible that may or may not be, you know, right up your alley or helpful. And if it's not, totally fine. Let's give it a try and see how it goes. So the way we're going to do it is this. I'm going to read a story to us, a story from the Bible, and then I'll put the story up on the screen for us all as a reference after we're done. And then I'm going to help us get in a prayerful space, a reflective space, and I'll slowly ask some questions as we have the passage up to kind of remind us what we, the story that we're in or the character that we might be trying to look through the eyes of or wear the shoes of. I'm going to slowly ask us some questions. It's going to get us imagining ourselves in the story. It's going to get us interacting with Jesus in the story. And then afterward, I'll give us a chance to share how that experience was for us. I'll share my own experience. And if you want to, you can in the excuse me, in the chat as well. And if we have time, we're going to do a second story too. I hope we have time because I really like the second story. Okay, 
So first up, we're going to try this with a story from the Gospel of John, where a cynical young person named Nathaniel meets Jesus, and he finds himself lowering his cynical walls because Jesus is so magnetic, okay? Let me read it for us, and then I'll put it up on the screen, and we'll move forward. This is reading from chapter one of the Gospel of John. Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Let me put this story up on our screen. And now I want you to try to get in as prayerful or as reflective a space as you can, knowing that some of us might be watching kids at the same time, or some of us might be washing dishes at the same time. That's totally okay. Just try to get yourself in as prayerful and as reflective a space as you can. And imagine yourself in the scene. We're going to be Nathaniel in this. So imagine yourself in this scene. Don't you imagine yourself sitting underneath the fig tree before your friend Philip calls you? How does it feel sitting underneath that? Is it comfortable? Is it not comfortable? Is it the best you can do? Maybe you can ask yourself, what are your five senses taking in? What do you hear, see, feel, smell, taste? What does Philip's voice sound like when he calls you? Imagining yourself as Nathaniel, hear your, hear your skepticism, your cynicism, your doubt come out as you say, 
Can anything good come from Nazareth? For those of us in the Chicago land, we might say, can anything good come from Gary, Indiana? That was a cruel joke, I'm sorry. Hear the cynicism come out of you. I want you to translate in your mind as you're imagining this. Translate from Nathaniel to you. What is this cynicism or this doubt about in your world, in your life? And now, hear Jesus say to you as you approach each other, here is a true Israelite. Here is someone who is true and faithful, in whom there is no deceit. What good intention, what longing, what truth and passion must Jesus see in you behind your cynicism? be phrasing it a different way. What is your cynicism protecting? What longing, what passion, what desire, what truth? Try to find words to describe how it feels to be given the benefit of the doubt. For your walls to be bypassed in the most gentle and loving way. Try to find words to describe how that makes you feel. And hear yourself as Nathaniel asking Jesus, where did you get to know me? How do you know me? We see how he replies to Nathaniel in this passage. How does he reply to you? Is it with words? Is it non-verbally? What does he say? 
What do you think are the greater things Jesus is promising you right now that you will see? What do you think they are? What do you hope they are? And God, as we take ourselves back out of the story and sit firmly in our own space with the other people in this community here on this call, on this day in 2021, thank God it's 2021, I pray that for anyone for whom something was happening here as we tried this together, that you would let it settle and sort of integrate its message for us into our spirits. And for any of the rest of us for whom this was a neutral experience or even a triggering experience, we pray that you would make us good listeners, good holders of space for those for whom this could be a spiritual practice for our survival this winter. And so I pray that you would bring us now back to our community as we debrief this experience. Amen. Ah, so I wonder how that went for you. That is a little encapsulation of this practice that we want to impart today, Lectio Divina. Again, we are reading with the intent to experience God not just reading with the intent to learn something or understand something or study something. So I would love to open this up in the chat right now um, for anybody who wants to share some of your experience as we did this with this passage in John. I do think we are, we're going to spend a little bit of time just kind of like letting experiences get shared and um, I want to share a little bit of, of how that goes for me when we do that experience. And then I do think we'll have time to do a second passage here before we're all done. Um, but yeah, so maybe the, the best way I'll phrase it for our chat, a simple question is, did anything stand out to you? Did anything stand out to you? That's sort of the simplest way we can um, maybe get, get things moving or, or hear if you want to share anything. Um, I'll, I'll share here for mine. Um, the, the part that gets me, um, I was led in this very experience, and that is why I, I, I took it uh, for us to, to use today. Uh, the part that really grabs me is um, G, like hearing my, myself here, here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And having that experience after I've just reflected on how cynical I am um, is like really powerful to like, I need people in my life. I need a God in my life who sees past my walls um, because I just so unthinkingly, reflexively put them up 
because I'm afraid to show like, I believe in more in life and I'm longing for this and I have a passion for this. But if I share that, will I, I don't know, it's vulnerable. Will people laugh at me? Will people not think, you know, like, well, well uh, am I too like doughy eyed and, and, you know, and, and uh, naive to think that love can be the center of all things in the world. And if I share what I really think, will people just laugh at me? And, and so I, I put up walls and I just, you know, I try to, I, I cut the tension with a bad joke or, you know, make fun of Gary, Indiana, not, you know, I've never done that before in my life, but just suppose that I might've done that. And, and I do those things to protect myself. I do those things to protect myself. And so just to have this experience of, I've had this experience with some individuals in my life, but to have this experience with God of just like, I see there is no deceit in you. There's that hardness. That's not you. I see what's behind. And that just, oh my gosh, that really, really got to me. Um, the first time I, I, I experienced this. So, uh, so I wonder um, if, if anything is standing out to you as I share that. Uh, and, and it could be about that part of the passage or it could be about a different part of the passage. Another thing that stands out to me, just kind of giving you your chance to, to think through how this experience was for you. I think about where do you get to know me or how did you get to know me? That question and feeling those, those words come out of me and like, what, what, what is that in, in, uh, for me in, in Vince in the 21st century? Um, and I, I always feel like um, Jesus's reply is nonverbal when I'm kind of in this um, situation. It's not like he doesn't actually say anything, but it's just kind of this like knowing glance and this like, you, you know, like you are, you are totally safe here. And I know you because I'm always around and there's nothing that you can do to chase me away. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's something about like, um, I think in a lot, maybe this will be something that we visit again in, during this series of spiritual practices that we, we want to uh, impart. Um, but experiencing God is nonverbal, not just to, not just looking to hear something or to listen for something or feel like there has to be some sort of powerful experience that shakes you and guides you and shows you the way. Certainly, we there are stories of that, and and we hope that that people will have experiences like that with God. But a lot of times, it's the nonverbal, it's the small things, and uh, and yeah, that that I think that really feels powerful to me for. Um, for, for how, how I experienced this. Um, let's take a, I'm going to take a look at the chat here and just see um, how people are experiencing that. And actually, Allison, if I can invite you in, just as you've been uh, taking a look at the, at the chat, if anything stood out to anybody and want, they want to share. Um, sure. Um, so far, um, people are saying how this was a nice deviation from reading the Bible as a like an academic um, exercise and just making this feel like more personal and more spiritual um, relating to that idea of God breaking down cynicism. Um, and then another, uh, um, I like this about like imagining Jesus um, as a young politician um, with the promise of greater things. Um, and thinking about those categories of like justice and compassion and systemic change. Um, and that seems really powerful. I think that's a really cool experience um, to have had during this. But that's what we've had so far. 
Yeah, very good. I want to um, kind of push a little bit further because I just think that that is great. What we just saw of taking liberties, like a lot of this, um, the way that we uh, read the Bible and try to interact with God in this way is using our imagination. It's allowing us to kind of take liberties and we're not, you know, like drawing conclusions that are going to be, you know, hold true for all time. We're trying to have an experience of God encouraging us, of meeting us. And so it is okay to use our imaginations and kind of let that let our mind's eye play a scene out. That can be a really powerful experience. It can be something that kind of, again, like breaks down walls where maybe if we're just trying to have the experience as we're supposed to have the experience, we may not have it. And so that's great. I think we're right on if we're getting into like, I'm imagining Jesus as a politician or I'm imagining Jesus as this or I'm imagining myself as this. All of that is really wonderful. And I do think that that moves us forward in this experience. It's not the only way that we can engage God. It's not the only way we can pray. It's not the only way we can engage the Bible, but it's a super useful way. And this is great. Uh, so what I'd like to do is actually try this again. Now we've had one experience, we've taken a break. We've talked about it a little bit. And now I wanna do uh, one more time. This time we're going to take a story uh, from the Bible that a friend uh, passed on to me recently, citing what a prayer he thinks this passage is for where we are right now in America. It is uh, from the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Uh, Nehemiah was a Jewish governor during the time the ancient Jewish people lived under the Persian Empire. So this is about 500 years before Jesus. Uh, and Nehemiah, though, what we're going to read is written in first person. It's sort of like a journal um, entry. And, uh, and so we're going to read from Nehemiah's journal um, as he talks about something that happened. About this time, some of the men and women raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet, we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters and we are helpless to do anything about it for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, this is Nehemiah, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain, but now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged 
when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil? They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, if you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. The whole assembly responded, amen. And they praised the Lord and the people did as they had promised. It's from Nehemiah chapter five. Let me put this up on our screen for us. So the, story, the question I'll begin here as we find ourselves again in a reflective space, in an imaginative space, in our mind's eye, asking God to be with us. My first question is who are you in this story? Are you one of the women or men protesting? Someone who's being chewed up and spit out by systemic injustice. Is that you in this story? Are you Nehemiah? Someone who has power, who's sympathetic to the protesters and who needs courage to speak up. Or as you imagine yourself in this scene, are you a noble or official that Nehemiah convicts when he elevates the voice of the protesters? Do you need courage to stick to a promise? Who are you in this story? Use your imagination to fill in some backstory. What was the last week for you as this person in the story? How do you feel after this last week? Use your imagination, fill in some backstory. Everyone has fears, worries, stressors, and that is certainly true of every character in this story. What are you afraid of as this person in the story? What are you afraid of?
I wonder what words you can find now that sound like you as you say them or as you write them or as you imagine saying them in your head. What words can you find to express what you're afraid of to God? And I encourage you to try that in your mind, expressing that fear to God as though you're in the middle of this story, fears and problems and injustice swirling around. What do you say? How does God respond when you express your fears to him? Returning to what we spoke of earlier, how is God responding verbally, non-verbally? What do you feel sharing your fears, expressing them with God and letting God reply back? Who in your life is God highlighting as support for you? If you relate to the protesters in this story, who, do you, who is God highlighting for you as a friend or ally in the struggle? If you relate to Nehemiah, who is God highlighting for you as a first follower after you courageously speak up or if you relate to the nobles and the officials who are convicted to change, who is God highlighting as support for you as allies to join with you in courageously doing something different? Who is God highlighting as support for you? Specific people that you know, who are they?
And again, as we step out of this story and back into our community in front of us, we pray once again that you would highlight anything that happened for any of us for whom we're getting mileage here with this trying out this practice. Help us to find ways to, oh, that, that's why this is working for me. That's why I'm getting somewhere here. And then for those of us for whom this was a neutral experience, or again, even a triggering experience, pray that you would make us good listeners to those for whom this is working, that we can encourage each other as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, again, I ask, how was that for you? How did it go? Was it positive, negative, somewhere in between? Um, I'll pose again the question of um, what stood out to you in this? Uh, did anything happen there that was like, oh, I want to remember that? Uh, for me, there was this, uh, this fi the final question that we arrived at um, of who is my support? You know, just realizing, I think, in, in going through this experience, I read this passage initially and I, but I thought, yes, you know, I was reading it from a, you know, a bird's eye view and just thinking like, yes, this, to oh my gosh, this feels like a story for America where it's, there are some people who uh, are wealthy and other people who are, who are uh, struggling and there is no help coming. In fact, they're charging interest to make the problem worse, the wealthy toward those who are struggling. And it just, it, it, it like I, I felt brokenhearted looking at it from a bird's eye view. But as I tried to get in the story and just be a character, I realized that every single one of these people has choices to make. And it is hard to make choices alone. It is hard to be courageous alone. And so that's why I just arriving at that final question of like who, who is around me to support me uh, as I make hard choices? That's that. That's the one that really stood out to me. I'm wondering, uh, Allison, is anything coming up as as um, uh, from that experience, or uh, has anyone shared something then? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, it seems like there is some resonance with this like desire to make change, um, wanting to. Um, be like the narrator and having those right words to say to to inspire change um and then at the same time also feeling like you are one of the the people who are struggling um yeah and so just feeling like this could instead of judging yourself for not doing the right thing or saying the right thing um this can become a prayer of how out. Um, and um, sorry, just reading one more. Um, oh, and that this is giving new insight into how things maybe aren't so polarized. Maybe it's not so um, black and white. Mm. And yeah, there yeah. are lots. Sorry, just one more thing about like, um, maybe the privileged don't actually know how to do better. That's yeah, like yeah. Lots of gradients here of fear, of uh, needing courage to speak up. And and yeah, I think the, um, I certainly, as I think about this, I relate to uh, Nehemiah, who, uh, as, as, as I think somebody wrote in the chat of like, 
find, you know, like longing to be that person who has the words to say. Um, and the, the line in, uh, in this passage stood out to me of like, I thought it over for some time. And then, uh, and he says, he called a public meeting and he spoke up boldly, you know, and then, and then he, he made, he made them promise and swear. This wasn't just about, you know, empty words. Um, and man, would I love to be that person who makes like, you know, bold imagery with my robe, may God shake you out from your own property. Like, it's just, that's super fun to read these like old passages of, of ways to, ways to say something like we would, it would be like, if the Bible was about 2021, it'd be like, and Vince posted a really cutting meme and everybody realized they needed to stick to their promise. <laughs> Robes are way better than memes. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I relate to this idea of, um, when I, when I put myself in the story, um, it's not so easy, right? Like you recognize like, oh my gosh, like there is so much that comes to me living out the values I want to live out. Um, so yes, I relate to them. Well, I wonder if um, what I can leave us with is asking yourself the honest question of like, did I like this? Did this go well for me? If the answer is no, that's okay. If the answer is, I don't have enough data, maybe you should try it again. If the answer is, this actually went really well, like I, I got a lot out of this experience, uh, let me recommend a couple of things. So uh, if I can um, come back here for a moment and uh, make a couple suggestions of uh, a few more passages you might want to try this with. Uh, one is uh, from Luke chapter one. It's a passage that perhaps you were immersed in last month as it's one of the uh, passages for Advent and for Christmas. Gabriel, the angel visiting Mary and then Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, so that's Luke chapter one, 26 to 56. This is a wonderful passage to try this Lectio Divina uh, practice with. I would encourage you to try that. Uh, uh, there's John chapter eight, verses one through 11, where the Pharisees try to stone a woman and Jesus' response is provocative and beautiful. And um, uh, it's one of the most famous um, uh, stories from the gospels. And then finally from Acts chapter 10, which is an interaction between Peter, one of Jesus's closest friends and Cornelius, a, a cultural outsider um, and how they cross a cultural bridge and, and religious and, and, and uh, taboos uh, to connect with each other. And it's quite a beautiful uh, uh, story as well. Uh, if Again, if, if any of this uh, feels like I should try a little bit more of this, I'd encourage you to just like snapshot um, on your computer or your phone this slide so you can have something else to uh, to move on to. The four basic steps I have up there at the top, uh, if you're thinking about like, how do I do this on my own without somebody guiding me through it? You're reading, you're meditating. That's like that, oh, I'm stepping into it. I'm trying to imagine myself there. You're praying, you're kind of interacting with God as you go, and you're contemplating, you're debriefing afterward, you're thinking about how that experience went. Uh, so those are the four basic steps. Okay, let me pray for us and we'll uh, move to close our service. God, thank you for uh, the chance to um, try new exercises and practices. I pray that, uh, in today and what we tried today and in all of the practices that we lean into this uh, next month, that we would get tons of, like we would feel our ability to survive this like final stretch of pandemic life this winter, that we would survive it well, that we wouldn't just get through by the, by the, you know, the skin of our teeth, that, it, that this would, 
this would feel like there is some amount of growth, some amount of hope, some amount of longing and passion coming out of us. And so we do pray um, that for any of us who had a good experience today with what we tried, that it would um, grow with us. And for any of those uh, for whom we can be support to others uh, that had a good experience, we pray that you would teach us to do that as a community. In your name, amen. Well, great, so good to do that with you. I uh, get a lot of joy out of um, bringing people into uh, guided experiences. And so that this was, this was um, enjoyable for me and I hope that it was uh, for many of you.